Blog Talk Radio. summer over? Well, I guess that's the good news and the bad news. The good news is the kids have gone back to school. Uh, The bad news might be that the kids have gone back to school, but I have other good news. Um, Helping behaviorally challenging kids is back on the air. Dr. Ross Green here, um, coming to you live, as always. September through May from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. I am delighted that we are back on the air again. And, um, well, we're going to do things a little bit differently this broadcast year. Uh, I'm going to have a co-host, and my co-host is uh, Susie Porton, who who has been on our parents panel and is now going to be with me on all of these programs every week. Susie, welcome. Thank you for having me, Dr. Green. Pleasure to be here. We're a team now. And, um, of course, um, I bring the perspective of a um, uh, psychologist, Of course, I have my own children, but you bring the perspective of someone who's had a few live ones of your own, and um, even though I can say that I feel the pain of parents who have a live one, nothing quite comes close to having a few of your own. So I am very glad that we will be benefiting from your wisdom on this program. How was your summer? Uh. Thank you. It it was a good summer, and um, but I'm glad to be back here on the parents program, um, trying to help parents help their challenging children through and the that model. That's why we do this. That's why we do this every week. Um, and I don't know any parent who knows more about collaborative and proactive solutions than Susie does. Um, and so um, we're hoping that this will be a nice um, duo. Let me, as I always forget to do, but here I am remembering to do it, probably only because it's the first um, week of the program back. The call-in number is 347-994-2981. And what we're going to be doing today is going through the um, vast of emails and questions that have um, accumulated over the summer. Um, that okay with you, Susie? That's great. Um, did you just want to take a minute to tell our listeners about what's new on Lives in the Balance website? Because you've added quite a few um, things. I like that idea very much. Let's see if I can remember what's new on the Lives in the Balance website. Here's the good news. Um, uh, Well, I've got it right in front of me here. Um, Let's see. Um, There's a new guide for using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, which is called the ALSIP Cheat Sheet. 
There is also a new editable version of the ALSUP. Many people are asking for something that they could fill in the blanks on. And um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing that I that that's not working as well as I hoped it would, so I'm going to have to go back and fix that one. Um, let's see. There's a new drilling cheat sheet that may have been up there before we broke for the summer. Um, there's new artwork showing how to depict um, unsolved problems and solutions in pictures. Um, there's a new web section on the website um, with sections on other non-punitive, non-adversarial interventions um, besides collaborative and proactive solutions. There's a new comic in the comic relief section um, that we already have four people who've submitted um, pithy, humorous captions for. And um, there is now a registration form for the fourth annual summit on non-punitive, non-adversarial interventions for at-risk kids that's taking place on November 7th in Portland, Maine. Um, The theme for this year is we're all in this together. Our featured keynote speaker is Dr. James Garbarino, who's coming to us from Chicago, and you can actually listen to Dr. Garbarino to get uh, get your juices flowing on listening to him because he did a radio program on the issues in children's mental health radio program um, last broadcast year, and there's a link to that. All of this, by the way, is in the What's New section. And um, there you have it. I, any, anything else that you've noticed that I've missed? Uh, no, just that you've been working very hard on the website. Um, well, the website reflects all the hard work that goes on at Lives in the Balance. We are uh, striving nonstop to make collaborative and proactive solutions accessible and comprehensible to people, and um, that's why we do these radio programs as well. Susie, are we ready? Ready. Here we go. Um, Here's a parent who's emailing. I am shocked in how this shift in thinking resonates with me. We have a young, energetic, perceptive, perceptive, curious son who is just starting the French version of, I think, what is referred to as junior kindergarten and have been thrust into the realization that he is an explosive child. On the spectrum of looking bad, he's flown through crying, whining, yelling, uh, potty and aggressive language, running away, uh, slamming doors, hitting. How and when can I use Plan B with a four-year-old, and what language scripts are best? In reading, it seems most of the examples are children older than my son. The school is at a loss for how to diffuse the situation when he explodes. What we do in full, what we do, we do in full crisis. Or better yet, here's the question. What do we do in full crisis? His unsolved problems are exacerbated by the language barrier. He speaks only English, and it is entirely in French. The days are also very structured. The school uses a positive reward method, but I don't think it is a motivation issue. 
I am also struggling with how to bring him back to center when he starts escalating. Um, here is a parent who is crying out for help, and of course, once again, that's why we do this radio program. Let me jump in first here, Susie, if that's okay with you. Of course. Um, what, what's jumping out at me, I bet it's the same thing that's jumping out at you here, is that, um, well, a few things are jumping out. First of all, um, it sounds like if we've just been thrust into the realization that he's an explosive child, then something pretty dramatic, a, a new expectation or demand seems to have been added to um, this child's radar screen that he is clearly letting us know that he is lacking the skills to handle well. And that's why he is crying, whining, yelling, using aggressive language, running away, slamming doors, and hitting. So especially if he wasn't doing those things before that expectation or demand was added, um, he's doing them now. And the place to look is at the expectation or demand that is setting in motion those behaviors. So um, to tell you the truth, I think every child has the potential to um, explode or implode because every child at some point along the way lets us know that the demands that are being placed upon them are outstripping the skills they have to respond adaptively to those demands. And this young lad who is energetic, perceptive, and curious, those are wonderful characteristics, but we all hit the wall sometimes, and he's hitting the wall. And it sounds like, there, there might be more details than this, but it sounds like uh, this new classroom where he speaks only English and it's entirely in French and perhaps other uh, things that are going on in this classroom um, are clearly outstripping the skills he has to respond adaptively to the new demands. So now comes the second point. And that's, so this is the interesting thing. I've actually never loved the term explosive child. Explosion is just what happens. You, you know, if I could have renamed these kids, I would rename them. Here's what this kid does when the demands being placed upon him outstrip the skills he has to respond adaptively to those demands. That's what I would have named the book if I could have named the book something besides The Explosive Child because some kids don't explode when that's happening. Some kids implode when that's happening. Some kids don't scream and swear and thrash about and slam doors and kick and hit. Those are what people usually think of as explosions. Instead, some kids withdraw or cry or pout or sulk or become anxious. That's what a lot of folks would be calling imploding. But collaborative and proactive solutions is just as much for imploders as it is for exploders because what the model mostly does is help us realize that when a kid is looking bad, whether it's exploding or imploding, that kid is simply communicating to us that he's lacking the skills to handle the demands that are being placed upon him better than he's handling them because, and here's the two key themes of the model, kids do well if they can, doing well is preferable. So let me just go on a little bit more here. The magic is not going to be in what we do uh, in the heat of the moment, although we do need heat of the moment um, tools, and the heat of the moment tools are defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe. Those are the tools. And quite frankly, 
those are pretty much the only tools because the magic is not in what we do in the heat of the moment. That's crisis management mode. The magic is in what we do proactively, planfully, preventively. That's crisis prevention mode. So it feels to me that we need to sit down and do the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems with this with with mom who's writing in and the teachers at school to get a good handle on all of the demands that are being placed upon this little guy and the demands he's having difficulty meeting those are our unsolved problems we need to figure out what his lagging skills are and then we need to come up with a game plan for helping him solve those problems with us collaboratively one by one so that they don't require intervention in the heat of the moment. Along the way, one more comment, and then I'll be quiet, Susie, and let you talk. Um, Along the way, we may have to give consideration to whether this little guy, whether the sheer number of unsolved problems that are coming into play in this classroom are beyond this kid's capacity to handle adaptively and beyond our capacity to solve those unsolved problems fast enough to make this work. And that's always a consideration. Um, A lot of kids have a lot of unsolved problems, but people are feeling like, you know what, I think we can make this work if we start solving one problem at a time. But sometimes we come to the conclusion I I think that even if we solve these problems one at a time, I just don't know if this little guy is going to be able to manage in this classroom or in this situation. And then sometimes we've got to come up with a different game plan. Um, Those are my thoughts. Susie, got any thoughts? Uh, I have a few. Um, In terms of uh, going through the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, it might help the parents to keep a log of the unsolved problems that pop up during the week, and that way they can prioritize. Um, I believe, Dr. Green, you usually say safety comes first and then frequency, Um, but I know in my experience that helped us uh, clarify our unsolved problems. Um, Also, in terms of crisis prevention, um, I realize, as you said, he's a little guy, but I would still make an appointment with the child in a calm time to talk with him and get an understanding of the unsolved problems. And the thing about the model is things aren't perfect, but they do get better. And even 15 minutes a day of working on an unsolved problem with your child helps to significantly reduce and even eliminate the maladaptive behavior. Outstanding. Of course, as always, if we haven't satisfactorily responded to the email, here's the tough part about responding to emails. We have limited information, just enough 
um, to comment on, or but not enough to understand a child's situation fully. So we are often answering solely as it relates to what it would look like to implement collaborative and proactive solutions, but this is not a even remotely a comprehensive evaluation of a child, and so we are answering solely as it relates to what it would look like based on what we have been told about the child by email, um, what it would look like to implement the CPS model with that child, and our sort of general take from a distance of what's going on. But parents are always welcome to call into the program and give us more details if they'd like, and once again, that number is uh, 347 9942981 shall we turn our attention to another one sure here we go uh, i read your book 2 months ago the explosive child and it transformed our household my 8 year old son is the youngest of 4 and it described him perfectly he responded immediately to plan b and we are all so much calmer and happier he still has his moments, but he has much more self-control, and we have a lot more understanding, so we are able to work through it. So far, so good, yes? Yes. Plan B really got him to open up and share what the underlying issues were in many instances. In one common scenario, he would refuse to attend an activity, just barrel down and absolutely refuse to leave the house to go to a basketball game or a swim lesson. It turns out that there was a lot of anxiety under there. He indicated that it was the championship basketball game and a lot of people would be there watching and he didn't want to make a mistake and have the other players get mad and hear the fans yell at him. Another time he was worried that he wasn't good enough in swim lessons and couldn't do what they asked of him as well as the other children in the group. He is very athletic and a good-sized boy. We feel badly that he doesn't want to do physical activities because he is good. This is common with him for most sports. He will play for fun in the yard, but not as part of an organized activity. He doesn't like the competitive nature and is turned off by some of the unpleasantness from teammates, parents, and some coaches. He does have other non-athletic activities, and he is social. Here's the question. Should we just let it go? If I force him to do something he doesn't want to do, I'm setting us both up for a disaster, but somehow... I feel badly that his anxiety interferes with him participating with other children in this manner. Susie, you want to take a crack at that one first, or would you like me to? Um, I could try. I, You're up. All right. I, I appreciate uh, what organized sports does for children and all the lessons that go with it, but I can't see the point in forcing your child to do something that provokes anxiety and um, negative feelings about. So I'm wondering if there's other possibilities um, such as tennis or skiing or um, sports like that where you're just relying on yourself um, and you're not necessarily working on it, you know, as a team member. But it's so great that she read the book and 
things have improved for their household. I just, like I said, um, what would be the point of turning up the flame on the imaginary fire and forcing him to do something that right now he just doesn't have the skills um, to do. But that's my two cents. What about yours? I've got a slightly different two cents, and that's okay. I, I, well, I, number one, I agree with you. I wouldn't force it either. Um, I don't see the point. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess here's my main take on it. First of all, um, I'm delighted um, to our emailer that you're having success with Plan B. And I'm delighted that you are um, learning more about what's making it difficult for your son to meet the demands of competitive sports activities. It sounds like right here we're limited to basketball and swim lessons. But I think that um, we don't need to uh, take those concerns and um, make them less specific by referring to them merely as anxiety because that makes it harder for us to then see if there's a way for us to address the things that are getting in his way. And we've learned a lot about that just in the email. Um, In competitive sports activities, there are a lot of people watching. Uh, He doesn't want to make a mistake. He doesn't want to have the other players get mad. He doesn't want to have the other fans yell yell at him. Um, In swimming, he's having difficulty doing what they're asking of him. So I... um, don't think I would call all of that anxiety because that makes it harder for us to work on him with it because I don't actually know what we would do about anxiety. My question is, what can we do, if anything, to help him navigate his way through these things that are giving him trouble, that are making him struggle, other players potentially getting mad, fans yelling at him, um, other people watching. Uh, it feels like one of the ones that would be easiest, and I always hate to use the word easiest because you never know if a solution is going to be or a problem is going to be easy to solve until you actually start talking about solutions, and then you find out that often something that you thought was going to be extremely difficult to solve wasn't, or something that you thought was going to be extremely easy to solve was a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. But the one that feels most straightforward is him feeling like he can't do what's asked of him as well as other children in the group in terms of communicating about that. Um, But all of these are grist for the discussion mill, I guess is what I'm saying. And this is the interesting thing about parenting in general, not just parenting a behaviorally challenging kid. If there's anything great about behaviorally challenging kids, It's that generally speaking, they let you know when they're having difficulty meeting the demands and expectations of the environment. So in that one respect, they're great. They they don't keep any secrets. Um, They're pretty easy to read. They're letting you know they're having difficulty meeting the expectations. And so it's much there's no transparency there, generally speaking. There's a great deal of transparency there is what I'm saying. There's there's no cards being held close to the chest there. 
They're letting you know. He's letting you know. But I guess the decision about whether to continue trying to enter into these activities comes down to whether it's possible to come up with solutions that are working for these things that are getting in his way. And I think it's, this is my main point, it's harder to come up with solutions if we um, gener- go, go talk about his concerns in very general terms, anxiety. It is much easier to talk about solutions if we are talking about his concerns in very specific terms. So we're looking for a solution to help him with the fact that there will be people watching if he plays in that championship game. Because there's no way for people not to be watching, which means we're trying to come up with a solution for him to be able to handle people watching better. We need uh, a solution for his concern about making a mistake and have the other players get mad. He's going to need some tools for that. And he's going to need some tools for the possibility that fans are going to yell at him if he does make a mistake. But the reality is this. And this mom, I think, mom, let me see, yep, mom, has to decide, am I not pushing him to do these activities now, but do I want to pursue trying to come up with solutions for these concerns now? Pushing him into basketball and swimming without solutions to these things, that's plan A. Trying to come up with solutions and then seeing if he's now more comfortable trying to give these activities a shot, that's plan B. And it's always possible that he's going to decide that he really doesn't want to give them a shot right now. And that would not be tragic. But the reality is, um, in life, and of course this is not real life yet, this is real life, but he's only eight. So we don't, we don't, I'm not ready for college yet. He's only eight. I'm not ready for all the demands that are going to be placed upon him in the real world yet. He's eight. But this is the neat thing about development. Development prepares you for the real world. There's going to be times in life where um, people will be watching. There's going to be times in life where he um, doesn't want to have people get mad at him if he makes a mistake. There's going to be times in life where somebody he has disappointed might yell at him. There's going to be times in life when he feels like he can't do things as well as somebody else. Now is not a bad time to start talking about those things, and now is not a bad time to start seeing if he can start building in solutions for those things. Is he going to be playing basketball and swimming again yet? That's your and his call. Is it too early to start thinking about these things because they are coming down the road anyways, even though they won't always be swimming and basketball? They're coming down the road anyways, not tragic to start talking about them now. Susie, any other thoughts on that? Um, just that I wanted to add that um, how important it is, one of the many things that I've learned about the model is to have these discussions with your kids and to keep them talking, especially when they're younger. Um, it's possible to um, talk with your child as they become teenagers, but um, it's really nice if you can to uh, get those conversations going. The younger, the better. 
Sounds good to me. This is the delicate balance of parenting. You know what's coming down the pike. You know that difficulties in childhood are analogous to what real life holds. The rest is a judgment call. Um, Do I think this is one that needs to be on my kid's uh, radar screen right now? Or are we going to put this on the back burner? Can I help my kid be prepared for it right now and therefore set the stage for him to be prepared for it in the future if we work on it right now and see how it goes? Is he willing and able to do that yet? These are sort of all of the considerations that come into play in parenting, and not just parenting behaviorally challenging kids, parenting any kid. It's just that the price you pay when, you, when that falls out of balance, the price you pay is higher when you have a behaviorally challenging kid because the things he or she does when things are out of whack are more extreme. But these are considerations every parent has to take into account. Um, am I forcing it? Uh, I'm not big on forcing. I'm big on problem solving and see if through problem solving we can help a kid be ready. All forcing does is throw a kid into the frying pan when we know he's not ready. And I'm, seldom do I think that that's a productive way to go. Susie, shall we take another one here? Uh, we're not going to take another one here because we have a caller. Our Great. first caller of this broadcast year so callers always take priority on this program, and so we are going to bring our caller on from area code 206. And I want to remind our caller that um, not to use any names, identifying information, con- uh, locations, just so we can keep this confidential. But uh, area code 206, what's on your mind today? Hi. Um, can you hear me okay? We can hear you great. Great. Okay. So I feel like my situation might sound a little bit um, more confusing and complicated. Uh, He has Tourette's. He's 11. And he's currently on the medication specifically for ADHD and um, kind of uh, impulsivity and things like that. And uh, I have a couple of kind of questions or issues. The first thing is, first thing in the morning, he wakes up and he's just kind of in a craze. He torments his brothers, is very loud, curses, um, and this is before he takes his pill. So usually we kind of, you know, we ask him to take his pill right away when he wakes up, and he usually does wake up kind of earlier to do that. And but I guess our first issue is in the morning when it's so terrible, it's so bad, like no one can talk to him. Everyone's like scared of him, like the brothers, you know. Um, so. I'm not even trying to start that conversation with him because I don't think he, and I don't think he necessarily really controlled him. I mean, I know everything they can't, a lot of things they can't control, but that really is just kind of medication related. That's one thing. I don't know if you want to um, touch on that first, but well, let's. And, and believe it or not, it was your email that I was about to read next. So oh, that's so funny. This has, okay. <laughs> this has never happened on this program before that the person uh, whose email I was about to read is the person who was um, just calling in as well. Perfect. But, um, Even better then. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, so we've got we've got uh, this is we, we've got we've got charms at work here. Exactly. Um, yes. Right. 
And I, I have no idea. My answer was that I have no idea if the medication mm-hmm. is the issue in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that is something worth exploring with the person who is doing the prescribing. I'm seeing, and I'm not a medication person, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't pretend to give medication advice, so I can only speak right. from experience here. Um, mm-hmm. I have definitely seen kids. If, if what you're seeing is that once the medication kicks in, and I'm seeing that mm-hmm. he is on one thing that is not a blood level medicine and another thing that is a blood me- blood level medicine. Mm-hmm. So we're probably safe for in assuming that the medicine that is a blood level medication is on board when he wakes up in the morning, but we're probably safe in assuming that the one that isn't a blood level medication, we're talking about stimulant medication here, mm-hmm. um, is not on board when he wakes up in the morning. Right. So what you're seeing is that um, once the medication is on board, which would usually be something in the half hour to 45 minute range, you have mm-hmm. a completely different kid. Mm-hmm. Then you might want to discuss with the person who's doing the prescribing what your options are there. I can, I can tell you from experience here, there are kids whose parents have woken them up 45 minutes before it was time to wake up, Mm-hmm. The kid takes his medication 45 minutes ahead of time, falls back asleep, mm-hmm. and that's the big variable here. Will he fall back asleep? Right, um, and right. Then, and then the medication is on board when he wakes up, and that's what right. we sometimes do when it, it is really clear that right. the kid is just a completely different person once right. the medication is on board. But definitely right. worth discussing with your medication person. Okay, okay, very good. Okay, I'll do that. Sounds like it might be a good idea for him. And then, you know, I just had a conversation with him. I didn't exactly follow, you know, I, I was just kind of unplanned. I was in his room last night, and also at night he has a hard time. I mean, really, it's throughout the day that he does have a hard time when just any medication wears off. So we do have to speak to the to the um, psychiatrist about that. But I was just talking to him yesterday about reading, and he was saying that every time he reads, and I was trying to problem solve it, but nothing came out of it. He was basically telling me he just kind of opened up because he needed to read just even a contract for a teacher, a science teacher for tomorrow morning. He had to sign it. He's like, I just can't read it. I'm just not going to read it. I just, every time I read, my, and I start talking, like I, my heart starts beating really fast. I'm very jittery. I feel like the, my eyes are want to explode and my body wants to explode. So, you know, I was trying, oh, wow, Jake, you know, I'm so happy you're telling me this. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry you're telling me this and, uh, you know, let's, you know, let's figure out ways to, you know, try to problem solve, you know, what we can do about this. And he he really kind of came out, every time I, I said something, oh, maybe, maybe what happens when you divide the section or the page that you're looking at? What happens then? No, I just can't read it. I just want to explode. What happens when, um, you know, what if we just, you know, just five minutes at a time? No, I can't. And there's no solution. So I guess there's some things that, I mean, maybe we probe for more, but, yeah, I didn't know what to do about that one either. And he's really always had trouble reading. He's always, from the very beginning, he just hates it and just will not, hold, will not read a book for more than, like, a minute. So. so one question that that brings to mind, and then, um, uh, Susie, I'm sure you want to weigh in. One question that brings to mind is, and this was not included in your email or in anything you right. said to us yeah, so far. Yeah, this is extra stuff, yeah. Yeah. Is and, and that's okay. Um, but is whether um, he's had 
some long-standing reading issues from what he's saying to you. It sounds like he might have some long-standing reading issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's ever been evaluated in terms of what he can do with reading. If he hasn't been, or if he hasn't mm-hmm. been lately, it seems like that mm-hmm. would be a very good idea. Right. Um, that's that's yeah, my maybe. thought. Is yeah. that if, okay. if they, he's coming to you and basically saying, we've had a few examples of this today, and, and this is, of course, the common theme of the whole model and of this program. Mm-hmm. Um, kids exhibit challenging behavior when the demands being placed upon them outstrip the skills they have to respond adaptively to those demands. Right, right. Here's the beauty of what you're saying to us. If there's anything beautiful, and I know that you're, I'm sure, very concerned and mm-hmm. stressed about right. your situation, the beauty yeah. of it, and I, um, this is the silver lining, he's letting you know. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, letting you know. Yeah, right. His, I was surprised behavior. that, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was surprised that he even kind of just, and he was kind of in a funky mood also. Like I always thought yeah. I have to talk to him and he's kind of calm and but he was kind of just, you know, blurting things out as he was in that funky mood of also a little bit of cursing and stuff like that but just kind of telling me. So on the one hand, I was kind of, I didn't, I mean, of course, seriously, but I was kind of like taking him back, like, wow, he's talking to me. Even in this funky mood of his, that that's kind of maybe his way of, you know, of letting me know. Could be. Um, yeah. The good news, though, is that in one way or another, I mean, by exploding, he's letting you know something. Right. By being right. cranky and um, unpleasant in the morning, he's letting you know something. By right. letting you know that he feels like he's going to explode when he reads, he's letting you know something. Now right. comes the right. interesting part, and this is what the empathy step of Plan B is for. Mm-hmm. What's he letting you know? Because the behavior doesn't tell the tale. It just tells you that there is a tale to be told. Right. Um, the behavior just lets you know something's up with my kid, and your kid's letting you know something's up. I'm glad about right. that. I'm sorry that he's doing it in a way that makes life so unpleasant. And, of course, that's the case with any behaviorally challenging kid. They're letting us know something's getting in their way in a way that isn't very pleasant. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad Mm -hmm. he's letting you know, and I'm glad he's starting to talk. And now, because I'm talking too much, let's see if Susie wants to weigh in here. Okay, thanks. Well, thank you for calling in. Um, The other thing that I wanted to say about explosions and swearing in our experience, um, I learned not to take the swearing personally. It was, mm-hmm. we we did uh, end up having our son evaluated, and there was a uh, quite a discrepancy in his, um, between his nonverbal and verbal uh, skills. And mm-hmm. once I learned that he just, did not have the words to express his feelings more adaptively. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, it helped me to not take it personally and to just let that right. slide. Right. Um, the other thing was that I wanted to say, and I know I sound like a broken record, but have, no, you, no. have you had a chance to... Um, look at the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems on the website. I believe I did, yes. 
I'll look back into it. If you if you can look at that and mm-hmm. and fill that out, that'll mm-hmm. um, give you a. It's an incredibly useful assessment tool, and it will give you a much better understanding of your child's lagging skills. And right. So the, sorry, yeah, you're talking. No, it's funny. Yeah, that, that list. Yeah, we did go through all that list. Yeah, yeah, and I wrote down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And and right, so then you want to prioritize the two or three most important difficulties that your child is having. Um, mm-hmm. If you can, in in my family's case, we only worked on one problem at a time because um, right. my son was having such difficulty. Right. Um, the last thing I I just wanted to mention was. It sounds like you're going through a tough time, but the beauty of the model is is that it gives you hope. And um, as I right. said before, it's never perfect, but it does get better. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, that, that is the hardest thing to kind of, because in the meantime, it's very hard to ignore the cursing. And I have two younger um, boys and one baby on the way. So they're hearing all the, you know, things that we've never, you know, F-word and things like that that, it's very hard for them to kind of, and they see that he's not getting punished right now. I mean, because we're, you know we're starting we're starting to get away from punishing him because of you know because we know he can't control himself. Yeah. So I don't know if that's even the right thing to do in the meantime to, to, to kind of ignore it and kind of let it go, which I think is kind of is really hard for us and for the kids around to see. Well, why is he getting punished? It's like the worst word. We never we never say that word ever, you know. And you know he's not. And I guess they understand that you know we tell him that he's. He does have control issues, and you know. So I, I guess that is the thing to do, right? Just kind of in the meantime, until we reach that problem, to kind of let it go. That's right. You're you're putting it on the back burner because you have right. more important problems to solve. And right, you know, that's a good discussion to have with your um, younger children. Is that things aren't always fair, and you don't treat each child the same as Dr. Green has said many right. times over the right. years. Right. Um, so this is That's true. something That's that yeah. your 11-year-old son needs help with right now, and right. Um, they don't need help with it, but in other circumstances, they might need help with something, and your 11-year-old may not. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Excuse me. You've got a bit of a journey ahead of you. Yeah, and I have more questions. I think I'm going to call back with my questions. Um, Well, we've got got about two minutes left. If if whether we'll be able to answer it well or not, we'll see. But go ahead. Okay, so I guess my question is this: He he acts up again when he's um, irritated, and and then that irritation a lot of the time comes from hunger, and I know he's hungry, you know, he gets, he'll get hungry, he usually get irritated, so like his brother would say something like, not even such a big tease, but kind of like, oh, Jakey, you don't know, you know, I don't know, this is a small tease, and he'll just like blow up, you know, cursing, hitting him like crazy, and so I guess my question is, do I work on, when I can do the problem solving, do I work on the, you know, when you are, I've noticed when you're hungry, or I've noticed when you get a little bit irritated? That's my biggest thing. Like, I, a lot of times, he gets, again, he gets irritated from little things where it's his brother or something's not working. He'll just, like, you know, have that rage. But, again, I'm not sure if that's what's the underlying issue or 
that he's hungry. And, and I'm always trying to make sure he's not hungry. Yeah. I th- well, and I think that's good that, that you've noticed that about him. I think that you want the unsolved problems to be as specific as possible. Right. And that's when you I want the unsolved trouble. problems to be about mm-hmm. the things that he's irritated about. Okay. But there is a so does, mm-hmm. there, there's a whole walking tour in the parent section of the Lives in the Balance right. website. And yeah. the middle section yeah. is going to teach you how to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Right. And that's I've, really I've worth that. I guess, doing. Yeah, I guess my question, my question is, so when I do talk to him about it, do I say to him, I've noticed that when you are hungry, I've noticed that when, when, when you're, you know, your brother teases you and says something to you, you get very, very angry. Is that I well, think, where I guess I guess I well, think well, both yeah. would be fine, but I think that okay. the, I'd leave the angry part out. But if you okay. review the section on Without identifying behavior, lagging right, skills, right. Right, mm-hmm. and unsolved problems in the guided tour for parents. I think it will mm-hmm. clear things up, but you are welcome to call back next week as well. Okay, okay, we'll do that then. Now, I appreciate it. You guys have a couple things to start on, so <laughs> I'll start on those Good. for now, and I'll call next week. We appreciate you calling in. And thank you very much for your help. You bet. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Susie, that's going to do it for us today. All right. Um, Boy, I think this was kind of fun to be doing this together. And um, you'll do it again next week, won't you? Absolutely. I loved it. Fantastic. I love having the parent perspective on this program every time. So we're going to keep doing this. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Helping Behaviorally Challenging Kids.